In this week's episode, Chris covers some brand new titles from Marvel, DC, and more, while I have an existential crisis filled with disappointing books and heavy sighs. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hello, friends. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Cover B. I'm feeling better. That's <laughs> awesome. This is good. You you fit the tone of the movie with the, <laughs> with Joker. the Joker one. Oh yeah. god, I went back and listened to that and that was terrible. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was low uh, energy, and that's yeah. okay. That's Anywho, okay. Yeah, I'm feeling better. Back in the game, ready to rock. Chris is back. Back, back again. again. Guess who's back? Me. Tell a friend. Do do tell your friends. Uh. Some cool movie news happening this past week. Yes. So, uh, the Batman, the Matt Reeves Batman movie. The the Robert Pattinson movie. No yeah. one cares about Matt Reeves. <laughs> Ouch. I'm just saying, once um, you cast the yeah. sparkly vampire as your Batman, nobody cares about who's directing the film. So, the Pattinson has some new casting going on. <laughs> they um, just recently cast uh zoe kravitz as uh selena kyle catwoman in quote you know what i mean like we don't know if it's we know she's selena kyle but i don't believe that we know that she's gonna be catwoman in the movie you know um which is awesome though she's great yeah and then they cast uh like yesterday i think they cast uh paul dano as the Riddler. Oh, so I guess I guess Jonah Hill's out. Yeah, Jonah Hill is Gonzo's. Do you think he got mad that so many people were like, "You should be the Penguin, bruh"? Bruh. And so he was like, "Screw this, I'm out." <laughs> Maybe I don't, I don't know what Jonah Hill's deal is. He's getting typecast so. and he didn't like it. He's like, "What the f?" Um, but yeah, they they Paul Dano is the Riddler, the unfortunately named Riddler. Yeah, um, what is not, what's up with not Edward Yeah, Nigma? he's not Edward Nigma. he's Edward Nashton. That's some bull. It is some bull. I, um, I mean, you already have so many weird, awkward things. Like, the Riddler wears, like, a green jumpsuit, and your issue is with his original last name? Yeah, I mean, the, the Riddler's really? kind, of a, kind of a cheese ball character, anyway. He's a total goof. Um, so I don't know why they went with Nashton. It makes him sound like a character from like Gone with the Wind. Yeah, it's weird. Like he's oh. gonna descend down a spiraling staircase and be like, "Ah, Batman, I didn't see you come in. Please, my I interest you <laughs> is some sweet tea. My wife just made it. It is fresh and cool on this hot summer day." <laughs> Riddle me this, Batman. Oh, what God. goes better with sweet tea than some fine Kentucky bourbon? <laughs> and, you know. Mint juleps and all. Yeah, yeah. I, A mint it, julep awaits you on the other side, <laughs> my boy. It's it's not the best foreshadowing, I gotta no. say, for this film. Yeah. But here's some good news. Did you hear who Commissioner Gordon is? I did not. Jeffrey Wright. Oh, cool. Hell yeah. That's I fun. I digging this really smart diversity comparison. Like, let's bring in a black man for Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Let's bring in a woman of color for Catwoman. And guess what? 
nobody cares because the castings make sense. Yeah. I'm just happy that uh, it's it's good that Jeffrey Wright's just not the nerd again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he is forever and always he was Beatty, right? Yeah, or he was, was he the other? I can never remember. I never. Those he two. was the nerdy one in Hunger Games. One of the nerdy twins. Yeah, he was like nerd slash surprise robot in Westworld. Oh, and, spoilers. Yeah, I know. Um. <laughs> deal with it world um <laughs> i never even saw that i never made it to that point in westworld i just know that because of internet memes it sucks um <laughs> it's a hard time to be on the internet if yeah, you right. haven't completed it's why i i legitimately have never watched beyond season one of game of thrones but i know everything that happens yeah in why game bother because of internet memes um but i'm excited that it, the the battinson sounds really cool um, I think it's slated for like a 2021 release and I think, I think it could be nice. I really want DC to get their movies off the ground. Like I really want them to continue to have success with it because the ones that have been good have been very good and have been kind of tonally their own thing separate from the Marvel stuff. Yeah. I, and, I like the idea of them having till 2021 because it gives them lots of time to get it right. But I also don't like the idea of them having till 2021 because it gets them lots of time to try and reshoot six times and yeah. screw it up over and over and over again. But I think I think they're easing <laughs> off now that they've, you know, had some success, I think. And they're not really trying to, like, sprint towards the finish line on, like, having an extended universe kind right. of thing. I, I feel like they're going to have considerably less producer drama. You know what I mean? We can hope. I'm, um, I'm hearing good things about Birds of Prey. Like, yeah. I heard the back when they very first introduced um, audiences to Birds of Prey, like when they were first doing screenings, I heard that there was a conflict that the audiences loved it and the producers hated it. Mm -hmm. But then I heard that, like, the art staff, like, the the actors are girl Marco and like the director were basically putting their foot down like please don't touch the movie audiences liked it that's the end goal we're not gonna get an Oscar it's okay it'll sell yeah leave it alone yep. and I that's think fair. they have and so right now the trailers look amazing so yeah I think it looks pretty cool Joker was great um you know they've they've had their hits they've been doing a lot better lately and i think that comes from them just chilling on the extended universe i think they and may like, have accepted that the Zack snyder stuff wasn't working well yeah and i mean it's not just because it was Zack snyder stuff it's just they were trying way too hard to get into an extended universe inorganically you Shall know what i mean it doesn't work yeah they were trying to synthesize this extended universe instead of just like letting it occur and you know that's just not gonna work mm -hmm. um so we'll see hopefully the batman will be really really nice um and we'll find out more as time goes by yes we will all right so let's talk some comics yeah, shall what'd you we read um so i'll start off with one that has been incredibly hyped okay uh for this week so x-men number one Oh, yeah, the continuation. So, yep, we're out of House of X, Powers of X territory. We're into the normal series. First one to come out okay. is Jonathan Hickman's X-Men uh, series. Okay. So it's a team comprised mainly of the Summers family. 
So we've known that for a while. It's like the Summerses and then Wolverine. Um, but what? I didn't really – well, I mean, that's the team. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. But what I didn't really realize is that it's literally like the Summers with Wolverine Brady Bunch style. It's It's like a lot of the book takes place on – house summers which they put on the moon um and it's like you know jeans there and alex so havoc's there and young cable is there and being like weirdly teenaged which is odd because he was not that way tonally when we met him in extermination he was like cable you know, like you'd never expect Cable to be like, don't have a cow, man. You know, and like, <laughs> but he at one part is, you know, like, mom, is it okay if I trade guns with this guy? Talking about like one of the guys from the Star Jammers who are visiting. Ew. So like, Scott's dad is there and um, their other brother who I can't remember his mutant name, but he was like a bad guy for a long time. He's oh. also there. Okay. And so it's just like the summers this summer on TBS, the summers. And it's like That's Wolverine's weird. like the angry maid and lives with them. <laughs> Wolverine lives with them. Yeah. He lives there and more on that in a second. Otherwise the setup, you know, we know that that group from house of X powers of X, the, uh, I think it was Orchid, the like scientist group made up of people from Shield and AIM oh, and all that. Oh, by the sun. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're still in the forge near the sun where they were making that mother mold. Okay. Um, and they're doing stuff. I don't know what right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are introduced to like their leader, like their like head guy, um, and he seems considerably less menacing than the original people that we saw so i don't really know what they're gonna do there um so there isn't much of a setup on like here's what's coming we just know that they're kind of still floating in the background otherwise most of the book takes place with literally the summers and wolverine having a dinner all still decked out in their weird like superhero clothes which always bothers me when it's like superheroes at home but let's all wear our stuff you know like i don't even keep jeans on that's what i'm saying like you're gonna have dinner and fine your house is on the moon but like you're gonna have dinner at home and everyone's just gonna wear their superhero outfit no one's gonna just be in like jeans and a shirt even wolverine just chilling in his superhero outfit i'm like guys that doesn't seem right anyway um it's this weirdly domestic thing where, like I said, Nathan's like, can I borrow, can I trade guns with this guy? And Jean's like, set the table first, honey. Ew, really? And like the third Summer's brother, who's again, name I cannot remember right now and I don't know why, um, is like grilling steaks and him and Wolverine are having an argument over Wolverine wants a steak rare and he's like, oh, I will, yes, I will make it rare for you medium rare <laughs> and the audience laugh track is like ah, is there a- as wolverine looks towards the camera like <clears throat> you know and is there a point 
point to this nonsense? Uh, I think the point is just that there's going to be an extreme focus in this series on Wolverine and Scott both Doink and Jean. <laughs> Why is Logan I, living with them? I think just to push that love triangle. I, I literally think that's the only point. No and one cares I don't, anymore. Yeah, I just don't know how you come out of House of X and Powers of X and how grandiose it was and how, like, tonally intense it was. And then you make your, like, flagship series, which is X-Men, uh, focus so strongly on a rehash of a love triangle that everyone's kind of past at this point. So I don't know. They don't give in to any of that. I'm just going off the clues with, like, Wolverine living with him. And the way it's set up, they give you, like, he makes a point, like, Hickman doesn't really do anything accidentally. Right. Aside from, like, messing up continuity issues and a ton of typos. <laughs> Hashtag see Galm in, like, the first House of X issue. Anyway, it was supposed to read Mars. Remember that door that we, like, tried to figure out using the yeah. alphabet? And we were like, it says Galm. Uh, it was supposed to be Mars. He effed up. Uh... He made a mistake. There's a lot of mistakes. I was looking at a Twitter thread of him laying out like all the mistakes he made uh, in House of that's X. Great. Happens. Um and uh you know, he doesn't really do anything accidentally and he does these like diagram pages and it's you know, in House of X and Powers of X it's a bunch of different things. Everything from like timelines to Moira's diary to the like sinister gossip rag from yeah. the sinister issue. And um in this one, there's a full layout of the Summer's house, like what it looks like. Here's all the different floors, and on the bedroom floor, here's everyone's different room. And there's two empty rooms, which I'm sure will get filled later. Um, but the thing that stands out to me is that on one side, it's like here's in like three rooms in a row, Scott, Jean, Wolverine. So Jean has her own room and is in between Scott and Wolverine, and it just – with that and the yeah. fact that there was, in that sinister gossip rag thing, there was this whole, like, hint at that love triangle. You know what I mean? Like, we, like, he loves her, but she loves him, and, like, stuff like that. Like, I forget what the actual line is, but in those, like, various gossip rag things that kind of laid out, like, this is going to be something to keep an eye on, there was one that was obviously Gene Wolverine and Cyclops, and... I just don't really care. At this point, I, I guys, don't just be a throuple and be I, done yeah, with it. Like, I'd be fine with that because then it wouldn't be this massive story. And I've mentioned on the podcast before is that the thing that really gets to me about X-Men stuff and even like building up to this relaunch I was worried about is that the X-Men just has this tendency to become Dallas with eye beams. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it has really this description. It has this tendency to be like, let's focus entirely on this relationship drama. And it's not like I don't mind romance. I don't mind romantic subplots. I don't mind the drama that comes from romantic subplots in my superhero books. I'm not one of those people that's like, Ew, I don't care about them smooching. Get that out of here. I don't care. I love 
a well-written romance subplot, I'm good with it. I love the narrative. Yeah. But the problem with the X-Men is it becomes so dramatic. And so, like, he's dating her, but she actually kissed her and stuff like that. And it, Or, you know, not even to that extreme, just, like, big will-they-won't-they they Ross Rachel moments and stuff Ugh. like that. And to the extent where, like, I, when X-Men Blue, Gold, and Red were going on, I actually bailed on Gold and Red. Because they simultaneously one week each had an issue that was entirely focused on, like, will they, won't they drama between multiple people. Yeah. Because there was, like, Gene in blue. It was, like, young Gene and young Scott were developing this, like, they now have this, like, psychic connection where they can hear each other's thoughts all the time. And they were, like, what does that mean for us? And they were, like, kind of you know getting on the line of, like, should we be in love again and stuff like that. And then, like, but Gene was also really into, like, James Howlett and was, like, he's cute and stuff. And it was just awful. And then, like, in Gold, they were setting up the whole Kitty Pred Colossus marriage, which, fine, I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with that narrative because they have tons of history. But in the same issue where they're kind of, like, hitting on that, they also, like, just blast Rachel Summers and Nightcrawler together and are like, they're going on a date now and stuff. And it's like, why? Why do we need all this, like, relationship stuff to be, like, a central focus? Like, open a book with Rachel and Nightcrawler on a date. You don't have to show the, like, setup. You don't have to show the, like, I like you, do you like me, check one kind of moments. (laughs) You just open with them, like, building a relationship the audience then is surprised like oh really that's cool and then you just put them together you just connect them and then you move into the story of the comic and develop that relationship on the side you know and show them becoming connected and you can have very sweet intense moments happen in the book of them like realizing their affection for each other but we don't need all the like you know elbow brushes in the hallways and like sidelong glances at the water cooler and shit like that yeah just just give me the romance that's fine but just don't make it like here's an x-men book time to talk about romance drama you know but we'll see uh like i said they do establish that the orchid people are still out there um but they just don't really set up a whole lot of like Here's what the story's gonna be, you know. If you and for the love of people, just make Gene. For the love of God, can we get a world where superheroes in like more casual settings don't just walk around in their superhero stuff? That's so weird. It just bothers me. <laughs> it just bothers me. It's but super weird. I'm still excited about it. Um, we're in the in the throes of all this new x-men stuff so next week i think is marauders and i'm i'm excited for that one i'm really excited for hickman's new mutants i think that'll be really good um and this one was fine it was tonally considerably different than house of x powers of x it didn't have that grandiose feel yeah um and the domestic like the real like domestic feel of it was a bit odd but i'm sure there's a point to all this I'm just going to hold out hope that it'll start coming together in the next couple issues. Just make two genes. Yeah. You can clone them. Just make another one. They make were one clones. It's fine. Anyway. 
So, uh, uh, <laughs> all my books this week were depressing. Oh, jeez. So, Agents of Wakanda number two. I like the Black book. Panther, Agents of Wakanda number two. Yeah, the longest title ever. Black Panther, Agents of Wakanda, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn number two. Basically, that's yeah. where I'm at with the title of this book. So, Agents of Wakanda. Um... I'm liking the book. I'm liking the team. I'm liking the the development of these characters. They're kind of characters you don't see most of the time. I appreciate a weird team. Not to the extent that Chris appreciates a weird oh, team. I love a weird team. But it, it's cool. However, they did My Boy Sentry a big old disservice this week. I don't know. And I'm not here for it. Hmm. He had a short like mini series late like recently and it was really cool because it kind of like it really developed his character in a way that i don't think we've gotten to see in a really long time showed this like lower class kind of guy who was really on hard times and what they had done to him and his mental health was not sufficient and he went through all this drama and then he was like screw it i'm gonna merge with the void and so when we left that book there was this cool like question of like he's gonna be maybe a super villain Mm -hmm. maybe he's gonna be great but either way he's better like this was the the conclusion he needed this was like the the path he's gonna take to be a better developed character and in this book, which, no offense, like, Black Panther and Wasp are cool, but these are some B characters, which makes this kind of a B book. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a front-heavy headline book. It's yeah. just not. They bring him in, or they display him as, like, the bad guy at the end of the first issue, and you're like, oh, okay, so he is going to be a supervillain. That's kind of dope. I'm kind of here for yeah, that. Yeah, sweet. I'm in. Like, he's giving in to the void. He's doing this thing. I'm, I'm committed. But he's not. They set it up, he's meditating, and he has no idea that his meditation is causing all this bad juju around him and causing these, like, nightmare swells and stuff. And so they're like, Sentry, you have to stop what you're doing. You're hurting people. It's destructive and taking over. And he's like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? I'm just chilling. I'm I'm oming out over here. Living my life, bro. And they're like, no, you have to stop. And he's like, leave me alone. And then they attack the dickens out of him, which, like, not as Dickens. That's nice. I okay. Good. Good attempt to talk him down. Y'all. Y'all's crisis management is really top notch here. And when then, you attack the Dickens out of somebody, do you like attack them so hard that their copy of Tale of Two Cities falls out of their? Actually, they start spouting old poetry <laughs> in the style of a original feminist. Um, so like <laughs> Emily Dickinson. Oh, okay. You they attack the Dickinson out of him. (laughs) Well, he's a dude, so I figured that added the sun. So I, okay, it was a long push. Fine, it's whatever. Anyway, he, he, like, but then he gets defeated relatively easily by mystical samurai guy putting all his bad juju into like a black marble and eating it, which. Neat. Was kind of anticlimactic. And then he's just like, 
I have to go think about what I'm doing. And then just like light speeds away into the spaceness. And that's just it. And they're like, oh, we need to stop Sentry. And I have such an issue with this because it means that his character didn't develop at all. He's back to being accidentally a bad guy again. He even says hmm. in the book, like, no, but I I merged with the Void. I'm fixed now. And, like, but they didn't develop it in, like, a, oh, this is a commentary on mental illness. You think that you're getting better, but really you're still messed up. It's just a different type of messed up. Or, like, it could be a metaphor for, like, giving into addiction or something to try and cope with your mental illness like there's so much metaphor and depth that can be given to my boy sentry and i feel like he's just he's abused mm -hmm. they use him as this weird like oh he's op so let's just use him where we feel like and he can just show up and everybody will be immediately threatened and then we can just put him put him in the sidebar when we don't feel like working with him anymore yeah and that's that's bull like, he's got yeah. so much potential by being, I hate to say it, like, he's an older, lower-class, white male, which can relate to an audience that Marvel's not really pulling on right now. Yeah. To have a discussion about mental illness. And yeah. they're just like... Which you can, you know, you can do well in a superhero book. Like, you yes. used to rave about Unstoppable Wasp. Yes, exactly. That, that book was fantastic. And, like... But they just use him so flippantly and so haphazardly. And mm -hmm. he doesn't get the love and support he deserves. I feel like when his miniseries came out, they didn't give him any hype. They didn't give him, like, any proper PR. So his promotion didn't m move anywhere. So his book didn't sell great. Like, I don't know. I, I'm disappointed when you introduce a really cool character that could have a lot of really cool implications within the Marvel Universe, and you're just like, tra-la-la, he was throwaway. And to use him and abuse his character and his character development in a B-book? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I feel betrayed from a dude. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe that's maybe they're using this as a device with which to dial him back. A little bit, you know, because Sentry, like, the big problem is that he's narratively difficult. Because he's, like, on the level of power that you would see on, like, a DC superhero to an extent. Yeah. And he's kind of just one of those guys that if he's just a device with which to, like, shut stuff down. He's like a kill switch on big bads. So, like... You know, he's the one that ripped Carnage in half, and then we didn't see Carnage forever. And, like, he's the one that stopped the Hulk during World War Hulk. So, like, maybe they're using this book to, like, bring him down a bit and make him more narratively useful. And you I know? guess that could be cool. But to, like, effectively, actively neuter him by a B-team, like, I don't know. It, it seems It seems a waste of character. That if he's so OP and he's got so much potential to be, like, a Marvel World Reckoner, then introduce him in a book that's actually going to have some consequence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it does seem that our mutual friend Sentry has fallen on some hard times. But I have to admit, I have great expectations that the writers are just looking for a way to, you know, give him stories that show him struggling with the battle of life. And I just narrated the dickens out of that. <laughs>
Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Yay, Dickens. <laughs> Dickens references. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So come with me now on a journey back to the 50s. Okay. Back in the 50s, um, Mad Magazine started. um, Okay. And was rolling and was cool. Um, Also in the 50s, Marvel Comics, which was Atlas Comics at that point in time, uh, also came out with a similar book called Crazy. Um, they okay. brought that back in the seventies and in the seventies, they tried to make it like a lot like mad. Like they were focused on like, it needs to be like mad, um, to the extent where someone involved with it, I forget who, um, you know, was frustrated that they were trying to make it like mad magazine. Cause he wanted to make it like lampoon anyway. Um, as part of their like 80 year anniversary thing that they've been doing you know i've mentioned plenty of their like rehashes of different like old books that they've done um i've mentioned plenty of those on the channel uh they did crazy again so they have a one shot crazy uh crazy number one i was super excited because i love when marvel does uh humor issues like just throw away humor issues because i feel like the writers at marvel have a really good uh humor tone like they do humor really really well right because a they're all trying to gun for that deadpool money um (laughs) and b they're deep down all incredibly bitter about stuff marvel does which they do some crazy stuff hashtag rob liefeld might be right (laughs) who knows uh and you know they're also bitter that they're not getting that deadpool money (laughs) So they have a lot to get out. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite humor books that they've done recently is Secret Wars 2. Uh, it was like a couple years ago, I guess, when book. Secret Wars was coming out. It was hilarious. And yeah, they've that was done great. like, you know, a not brand ech relaunch and various other things uh, recently. And they've been good. And then there's like humor bits in like Marvel Comics 1000 and stuff. And those are really good. So they have a lot of talent for doing humor. Crazy number one was not very good. Oh, no. <laughs> it, um, it tried really, really hard and Aww. just kind of fell flat. There that's is sad. a shining gem. Oh, that's nice. A diamond in the rough, though. There's, like, three pages spread out throughout the book that focus on Man-Thing. Um, cool. And focus on Man-Thing's love life. And okay. Those were hilarious. They were just this, like, kind of awkward anti-humor and oh, nice. like, they were narrated by man thing there was no dialogue but he's just so like just blase oh. just like <laughs> kind of bland in his narration of these like weird things you That's know kind of great and it, it was good so like that was really fun i don't know if it's worth picking up the whole book maybe if you have a library that does comics you can at least read the man thing stuff um, but this one, I was, I was kind of bummed because I really wanted it to be funny, but it just tried super hard and it had its meta moments and it had its like commentary on the Marvel industry moments, but they all just were kind of weak. You know, it, yeah. it was like really, it wasn't very pointed commentary. It was like Wolverine's popular. What's that about? You know, it, it's, uh. Uh, it's like watching somebody stand up 
and like you know they're doing their stand-up routine and they actually try the like what is the deal with airplane food kind of thing yeah and you're like no it's cliche yeah, please, <laughs> like, please stop doing what like, you're doing you know it just it felt like they were pinpointing the like very obvious lampooning things for marvel yeah and so it wasn't really like that Effective. great yeah yeah so uh Bummer. crazy number one i was not super impressed but the man thing bits were the the shining star there well that's cool all right so <sighs> <laughs> are you gonna start everyone like that <sighs> it's not intentional it just like i get i get to the point where i'm like oh i'm gonna talk and then i look at what i'm talking about and i'm like Thank you for coming to the podcast so that you can listen to TV. This is not on me. This TV is on comics. sad about comics. So this hurts me to say. Uh-huh. And I don't like admitting it. But my girl Kelly. Uh-huh. Has let me down a little bit. <gasps> I'm sorry. I I'm going to tell you. her. Please don't. I'm going to call her right now. Please don't. I'm so sorry. I'm calling her. Okay, so. Hey, I'm... Kelly. Yeah, it's me. Stop. No, don't. Shh, you know what she shh, said? Shh, don't shh, don't tell her. Shh. Yeah, she said you're letting her down. Oh God. Mm-hmm. This is gonna end really poorly. Mm-hmm. Oh no. What? Oh please, please stop. Please. Well, stop. I didn't think the restraining order had been signed yet. Oh. Don't yeah. they have to sign it? Mm. It's not like divorce papers. Nope, nope, it's not. Uh huh. Mm. She's gonna be so mad at me. Uh huh. At the cool girls club. Hello, Kelly. Kelly. You really need to stop calling her. She hung up. Yeah. She's so silly. <laughs> I'll call her later. Anyway. Yeah. So how's she letting you down? Okay, so Captain Marvel number eleven. Talk uh, about how you've lost all loyalty to someone who has treated you so well over the okay, years. Okay, stop! I still love her. I'm not betrayer. Uh, okay, look. So we talked about Captain Marvel number ten and how and it's Captain Marvel. You're about it, to dump on Captain Don't Marvel. Don't make me feel bad for my opinions. <laughs> so we talked about in the last issue how they made Star like Star. kind of a throw, like kind of felt throwaway y and I haven't yep. been loving the whole everybody steals Captain Marvel's power shtick. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, this one resolved everything kind of meh like star is now some weird extra big bad she escaped from the raft she's like merged with the reality stone she got reality blood she's even though it got ripped out of her by carol (laughs) um she really do got reality blood yeah she's so star's like the big villain now Kelly developed her out of trauma, mm. which I don't love that, TBH. I don't I don't love the idea of turning someone's trauma into their, like, super villainess in this type of a book. That mm-hmm. seems, I don't know, that, that seems mildly tone deaf. Sorry, Kelly, sorry. Um, She's going to hear about this. I know, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. Calling her right now. But, and then, like, everything resolved. This, like, ten issues of Carol Danvers' PR blunders and reputation smearing is effectively resolved in, like, ten pages. 
And like, I get that that's kind of part of it. That's kind of the nod. Like people are fickle and they'll change on a dime and their opinion of you only matters so much as the newest whim or the latest news story. But it also still feels kind of like, like the government's already like, they're talking about reinstating her. And like, I don't know. I hmm. here's so this yep. is a thing that happens that I've watched uh-huh. to some authors. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying it could be She's happening. She's saying it's happening. When authors get hot, which Kelly's super hot because she's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, they get put on lots of books. Yep. And when you get put on lots of books, sometimes you pull yourself kind of thin. Uh huh. And when other books that maybe have more value to your career need to take precedence, sometimes you don't put all of your energy into the other books you're writing. <coughs> Deadpool. Deadpool. <coughs> Never heard of it. She getting that Deadpool money. She getting that Deadpool money. <laughs> I I I just feel like the quality of this book literally tanked like the minute I heard she was gonna be writing Deadpool, and I I'm worried that I'm hmm. I'm mildly biased. Like maybe I'm worried that she's Elling out essay. Uh, I don't want to say the word because I feel so bad because I love her so much. This just in, folks. T <laughs> believes Kelly Thompson is selling out. Oh my God! Don't say it like that. Oh, look, the book's not bad. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you've done better work elsewhere. Okay. Because remember, you've been on a lot lately, and maybe this isn't taking up all of your brain power, and that's okay. I'm just saying, I don't love it. There, I'm done. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> so, a uh, really cool series started this week that I've been really excited about. Um, it's the Tales from the Dark Multiverse stuff over at DC. Um, it's going to be a series of essentially Elseworlds retellings of popular DC events. Cool. Like, big-time events. Um but in the dark multiverse, so with a dark angle. So essentially, like, give you a little bit of backup. The um, whole dark multiverse thing is this concept at DC where uh, there's a basically upside-down multiverse. So, like, an, you know, inverted multiverse. Where every time there's a decision where a hero can go, like, really extreme or there's, like, a fear that they might have, this new world is created... Um, and for the most part, that world fizzles out. So one of the you know prime people from this world is currently the Batman who laughs. And apparently in the Dark Multiverse, they don't have good names. Because um, <laughs> that name still friggin' bothers me. Um, and his whole shtick is that he rose out of the fear Batman had that he might one day kill the Joker. So in his world, he did kill the Joker. The Joker secretly had, like, Joker gas inside of him. So when his heart stopped, he, like, leaked this Joker gas and ended up infecting Batman with it. And Batman went full, eventually started to enjoy the feeling and went full Joker and, like, killed everybody. Um, and then eventually like signed on with an ancient bat god and came to our universe. And if you haven't read Dark Knight's Metal, you need to read it right now. 
Um, for the most part, the worlds in the Dark Multiverse fizzle out. They start, and then once the fear is assuaged, they just, they're gone. Okay. You know what I mean? They're basically born to die. You know, okay. they're born to fizzle out. Um, however, due to events that have been happening throughout Justice League, the border wall around the multiverse is gone. So that opens it to God knows what's on the outside. And because of that, the dark multiverse is starting to thrive. Oh. So the planets, like the worlds that are created actually like happen and then survive. They don't fizzle out. Um, and that seems to be what's going to be a big point going on into 2020. DC has already announced that they've got some sort of crisis thing going on. There's been a lot of hints that there's another crisis coming up. And it's probably going to be like DC Dark Crisis or something like that. You know what I mean? It's going to pertain to this Dark Multiverse stuff because a lot of the books are dealing with this Dark Multiverse bleed, essentially. Interesting. As like planets in our regular multiverse suddenly start becoming Dark Multiverse Earths. Um, I guess I shouldn't say planets. Earths. As, as the different universes in Welcome the multiverse are, are defined. Um, so this book opens with uh, an amazingly named figure, uh, which the Batman Who Laughs should take a cue from. Uh, it's a dude named Tempest Fugonaut. That's a name. Right? Um, who's this like massive cosmic being. He's kind of like the Watcher. He can see every different place in the multiverse at whenever he wants and also can like see into the dark multiverse oh how very and he's also he's also a prime focus on the flash forward series which is going on right now which is the follow-up to heroes in crisis which is essentially the redemption story for uh wally west okay um he's helping he needs wally west's help because wally west is the absolute fastest person alive and the best person to handle multiverse stuff anyway um his goal is he's trying to look into the dark multiverse, see these thriving planets and see if in their like extended history, can he find heroes? Is there hope on any of them? Can he find a hero on one of these dark multiverse planets, earths, one of these dark multiverse earths, uh, that he can bring in to help with the crisis. Okay. So essentially we're, what we'll probably see when the crisis comes about is a team consisting of like darker versions of the heroes hmm. that still have like altruistic purposes. You know what I mean? They might be darker. They might be like have darker backgrounds or like darker ties to things, but they're for whatever, you know, reason still heroic. Um, one example I can think of, which I hope comes into play, is one of the Batman from Dark Knight's Metal uh, was called the Devastator. And he was basically the Batman who laughs cadre was made up of a bunch of different Batman crossed over with like different DC superheroes. So there was like the Red Death, who was Batman Flash. There was uh, Murder Machine, which was Batman Cyclops. And they were all very dark in how these two characters merged, you know? Okay. Um, and they all really had, like, conquery kind of evil motivations. But what stood out to me was the one called the Devastator um, was the Batman Doomsday one, I believe. Um, and 
his like one shot they all had one shot books that kind of gave you the uh yeah the devastator kind of gave you their origin like how they came about and his he for the most part wasn't really that bad of a guy um if i remember correctly his superman went kind of intense and so he injected himself with the doomsday virus okay to become doomsday essentially so that he could stop his superman from being basically bad oh. you know what i mean okay, so sense. he was now really anti-superman and a big destructive rage monster but for the purposes of like still had to the intentions. extent where like he gets unleashed on our universe as superman and he's able to change between bruce and devastator kind of a la the hulk kind of cool. thing and he like goes in and is like i'm not gonna let you do to this world what you did to mine and then like starts fighting superman and i'm like that's otherwise altruistic he just doesn't trust superman because he watched his superman go batshit crazy you know what i mean can't really blame him there and you know yeah and so it's i think it's those kind of things that he's looking for anyway this one is based on nightfall uh, which, if you don't know Nightfall, it's the classic story arc where Bane eventually breaks Batman. So it's got that, like, famous panel of him, like, snapping Batman's back on his knee. Um, the Batman mantle then gets passed off to Jean-Paul Valley, uh, who is Asriel. Asriel goes on to be, like, a really intense Batman. Ca- bad dude. Causing a lot of injuries and nearly killing people. Um, Batman then trains up with Lady Sheva shiva because you can apparently train a broken spine comics science and then he goes back and takes back his city this book looks at that point in time namely what if asriel defeated bruce at that point and then continued to be the batman what i liked about this book is that not only was it a really interesting look at like an asriel run bat world um, and it had all these other nods to like different dark things that happened on this on this earth. Uh, but it, you know, we go in with this scope of oh, they're here to find he's here to find heroes. So you see like they introduce these different characters, and you're like, oh, that could be one of the the heroes he's looking for. That could be one of the heroes he's looking for. And then it just pulls this bait and switch on you, just this like huge rope a dope. So you're like keeping an eye out for the right hook, and the left just nails you. <laughs> and I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it is a really cool kind of turnaround, and it's a really cool payoff. And at the end, they're just kind of like, oh nope, that's still just a doomed dark universe. <laughs> oh my bad. <laughs> and he Fuganot just kind of like steps away, like oh god, and. <laughs> I guess I'll try a different one, you know, and it's 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 cool. So, Tales from the Dark Multiverse Nightfall is out this week. I highly recommend it. I'll, you'll probably hear me talk about all the Tales from the Dark Multiverse stuff because I'm really excited about it. So, Awesome. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome back to Sad Times with T. All right. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. So, okay. straight number three. Yep. I really like this book. Like, I really enjoy this this series. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, and it's clever, and the character development is great, and the art is really cool, and I like the plot, and it's mm-hmm. really deep, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of emotions. But I swear to flippin' 
G, you guys, that they're going to kill this cat. And I just can't. Like, it's so intense right now because he finally found the maker of the flower. And the maker of the flower is super nice and is like, your mommy's leading you astray. They're doing bad things to the planets that you visit. And he's like, Uh my mommy would never hurt me. And then he comes back and he's in critical freaking condition and he's going to die. And she's just trying to do what's best for her and her kitty. And I'm like... (laughs) i can't like if this cat dies you guys we're gonna have a whole episode of just me weeping in the background and chris talking about comics because i cannot like he's so sweet and so cute and they've done such a good job of voicing this cat and giving this cat so much personality and i'm just (sighs) (laughs) that good huh it's a really good book like if you're if you're a dog person You'll love it. Go get this book. It's great. <laughs> because you're a pet owner, so you're like, oh, I understand this relationship. I get you. But, but like, like take, you've got a little bit distance removed to be like, oh. double cat. <laughs> like, if you're allergic to cats, this might be a good book for you. There you go. Cathartic. But, like, if you're a cat person like me, or even a cat person mildly resembling my weird obsession with my cats, which I am straight up obsessed with my cats, if you're, like, even even – marginally removed from how much of a cat spaz i am it's a great book if you're as much a cat spaz as i am it's a great book but it also kind of sucks fair i'm emotionally distraught (laughs) uh the mask is back that's dope transitioning with no segue um (laughs) so the mask i pledge allegiance to the mask number one came out this week uh for and obviously, we're talking about the mask that everyone knows because there was a movie about it. Um, for those who don't know, though, the comic book mask, very different. Super uh, different. Very gory, very intense, very dark. Uh, the mask, instead of making you a fun-loving, cartoon-watching weirdo, uh, it makes you into, like, a psychopathic killer and you brutalize people in very intense ways. Oops. Um, but... It's still cool. Uh, This book, I went in, like, really not expecting to like as much. Um, I kind of was just picking it up because it's been a long time since we've had a mask book. Hmm. Um, I loved it. I think it's really cool. Uh, It has some callbacks to the previous series. There's a detective in there named Mitch Kellaway who's been throughout a lot of the older books. Um, I think he actually was the mask for a brief period. Um, who in the books they call the big head killer. Uh, and then Kathy Matthews is actually Stanley Ipkiss's girlfriend from the first couple. Oh, okay. Um, and she actually killed Stanley Ipkiss and Oops. steals the mask from him. Um, she is now running for president. That's And logical. that's kind of the premise that we have. So we have these three characters. We have Mitch Kellaway. We have Kathy Matthews, and then we have this dude who is, uh, I think his name's Abner or something. Um, he's really just this, like, hopeful dude who wants to run for president but is getting, like, no traction because Kathy's getting all the traction because she's, like, full-on, like, just gaslighting people and right. stuff, doing typical political things. <laughs> and she's mayor of Edge City right now, which is the city that all this takes place in. And um, she's going on this white house bid uh and he is trying to do that as well but is adequately failing and 
he's at one point talking to his family and they're like just come home you know like we support you and we want you to do what you want to do but like the kids miss you he's got a wife and two kids okay and then he gets angry tosses his phone and finds the maps oh um and so that's where it kind of leaves us off with this dude now having mask powers oh cool uh wanting to run for president uh so i i think it'll be really cool it's really well written i gotta admit christopher cantwell is kind of quickly becoming one of my favorite writers oh yay because um, he did this one he's done a lot of stuff for dark horse recently that's been good uh because he's doing everything which i've raved oh, about Oh yeah you really like uh, that one. he did one called she could fly which was another burger books one uh i didn't read but i heard really really good things about um so christopher Campbell, i'm gonna be keeping an eye on his stuff because uh, nice. he's doing really really cool stuff and just to give you an idea of the darker tone of the mask versus the jim carrey movie uh this one opens with these two foster parents that like only feed their kids a spoonful of chocolate syrup and if they're bad they don't get a spoon of syrup they get to go in like a kennel and oh God. but it's okay because the dad will let them out of the kennel if they promise to sleep in his bed tonight oh no um, anyway they both get brutally murdered oh. in very rewarding ways <laughs> and then <laughs> the person that does it is the one who tosses the mask for uh our political guy oh. to find so delightful um very good very cool i highly recommend it i'm probably gonna end up picking all of these so i am sold on the mask excellent <sighs> just when you thought it was safe to go back into comic book podcasts tease back with another sigh <laughs> archie and sabrina 708 uh-huh i'm really liking this run cool don't get me wrong yeah archie and sabrina make an adorable couple it's refreshing to have him in cahoots with someone that's not the standard trio um I, I'm liking their character development. It's cute. There's mm -hmm. like this whole culty subplot and magic-y subplot. And you've got Reggie Mantle and Jughead being like a detective duo trying to figure out how Reggie's dad died? Question mark? Okay. Mm. Um, Reggie finds like a, like a secret room in his dad's office that's filled with all this conspiracy stuff. So that's, that's all very cool. That's cool. Well, in this issue, they set up that Betty and Veronica, so Betty is working with the environmental team to um, protect the woods in, in Riverdale. Mm -hmm. And Veronica is working with Daddykin's company to build a big old building right on the spot where the woods are. Okay. A few years ago, right at the relaunch of the Archie stuff and the Archie universe, the beginning of the Archie series, the new Archie series and the Jughead series and all of those great things, there was a five-issue mini, Betty and Veronica, in which case Betty, working with an environmental group to protect a plot of land, went head-to-head -head against Veronica, who was working with Daddykins to build a building on that plot of land. Oh, no. I don't understand why you couldn't just come up with a creative plot. Yeah. Be creative with your subplots. It was really cool how they actually had them, like, 
as friends scheming together, trying to figure out who Archie was like in a relationship with. Why not continue that? Why not make them do clever girlfriendy things and be friends and bond and then eventually come to the conclusion that they love each other despite their past with the same boy? Yeah. Like, there's so much depth and ability to make these girls love each other and give us a proper female relationship as friends in a book and then you reuse a subplot from three years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe they're trying to fit that many series into the main canon. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're like, hey, you remember that Betty Veronica series? This is when that happens. But it's not exactly the same. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> Like if it were, I'm trying to help. I know, I know. If it were exactly the same, I'd be like, no, that makes sense. But like, it's a different plot of land. And originally, in the miniseries, Veronica's dad was the one who was behind it. But this time, it's Veronica's idea, and it's like a different building. Like before, it was a money mall, and now it's like a production complex. It's just, it's so aggressively reiterative. It's a production complex. Yeah. And she's trying to stop it from being built. Yeah. Is there a tent city that she's trying to protect? Is she going to do a musical performance about cows jumping over the moon? Over the moon. <laughs> Moo with me! Moo. Um, okay. Well, first I'm hoping they don't focus a whole lot on yeah, maybe. the same Betty and Veronica story they've already done. And instead, they... Focus more on Archie and Sabrina and the cult and the Reggie and the Jughead and the conspiracy. Because all that stuff's great. Yeah, we can hope. <sighs> and I'm done. I'm spent. And I'm spent. I'm spent. <laughs> DJ Sad Sack, out. <laughs> um, I'm going to close it off with one that I honestly don't have much to say and I'll explain why in a bit. Because I really liked a lot of it. Um, The Marked, number one, from Image. Uh, It's a new book from Brian Haberlin and David Hine, who have another book going on right now with Image called Sonata. Admittedly, I recently dropped Sonata. Um, It's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a gorgeous book. I talked about it when it first came out. I really liked it. Um, the problem is, is it just kind of went into cliche, like Romeo, Juliet territory. And I just wasn't really feeling that. And this is the episode where I paint myself as somebody who just can't handle romance. That's not what's happening, guys. I just don't like, I don't like cliche. You don't want things to be derivative. Yeah. I get that. I wanted more about the world and less about like, these people from two clans don't get along. Can they find love in the most unlikely place? Find out next summer on ABC Families Sonata. Uh, pass. This one <laughs> is also gorgeous. I mean, Brian Haberlin's art is really, really cool. It's this, like, bizarre mix of semi-painted looking stuff and, like, 3D images, it kind of looks like. Um... And this one is about this group of magical people. They haven't all be women, but they don't really use the word witch, so I don't want to call them a coven. So this group of magical people called the Marked. And they essentially can channel their tattoo or channel their magic through these tattoos that stand in as their avatars 
that give them the ability to perform different things. That's they, really cool. They all seem to have different talents that lean towards different ways. Um, and it's it's a really cool concept. It's a cool – seems like it's going to be a cool continuing story. Like, I'm going to keep up with it. My biggest issue is just the the first issue has no character development at all. Oh, that's Of weird. anybody. Like, it kind of starts in media res, and then we back up. Like, it's one of those, like – freeze frame record scratch i bet you're wondering how i got here kind of moments right. you know and Which is fine. then it like backs up and it explains how she got to where she was but we get back to the beginning of the book like halfway through this book okay and they made a big point i love the solicitation for this one because it's so like it's just very like carnival huckstery because it's like all caps double sized for single price exclamation point <laughs> And then all caps, their magic is channeled through their tattoos, exclamation point. And then it gets into more details. <laughs> and I just love it. Um, but so it's like a double, it's a thick issue, but we get back to the beginning kind of halfway through. Right. And there's not a lot of fanfare for us getting back to the beginning. And honestly, what got us to where we were in the beginning, which consists of someone like using magic poorly and like exploding in fire and losing her eyes which you'd think would be, like, an intense thing. Uh, It's kind of dumb why it happens. Um, Like, I I wasn't really all about it. And, yeah, we're we're there, and then we still have, like, a good bit of book left. And it's just, like, it just feels very quick. It feels like we should have reached that point at the end of the book um, and had everything kind of stretched out more so we could, like... Because there's a bunch of people that we don't even like really get dialogue from we don't really know what their personality is we don't really know what their like talents are there's hints at certain people having different talents and you know some of the characters sound kind of similar and it's it's just weird it it's there's not a lot of they don't spend a lot of time developing the individual magic peeps they don't they don't develop these women to feel like interesting characters so I'm not really involved in any of the the the, the characters right now. Um, I'm hoping that it'll develop as time goes by. I'm gonna give it a few more issues, just like I did Sonata, um, because it's gorgeous. It is a very beautiful book, and it's a cool concept. Like I said, the whole like tattoo magic thing, and the they give you a bit of lore in there, and the lore is really cool. I like the lore. Um, I just I want to see more out of the characters. The characters are a little flat flat yeah a little like hella two-dimensional so uh hopefully will that will develop but i still recommend it uh it is a double-sized issue for just 3.99 so uh check it out marked number one from image nice and i think that's gonna do it for us i'm spent you're just emotionally exhausted i'm drained i'm so I'm, i'm done i need to go take a nap or for a couple days yeah. <laughs> Hibernate. So, anyway if you want to check out all of our previous episodes if you liked what you heard uh you can find those at coverbpodcast.com uh you can also follow us on facebook and twitter at coverbpodcast real quick before we go we have to make a little bit of an announcement um it's a good thing uh, so next week we are going to be out of town. We're going to be in the mountains. In the mountains, um, and we're going to be doing mountain things. Um, 
we don't know what the internet's gonna be like. We're also traveling with a bunch of people, so we don't have a ton of room to carry our equipment. And we also just generally don't know what the schedule's gonna be like in terms of we're gonna be doing a lot of hikes and like backpacking and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what's going on. So we won't be able to have an episode next week. Um, I know we didn't have one last week because technical difficulties. Okay, sarah, sarah. Um, what we are going to do this time so that we don't leave you guys with nothing is we're still going to take our books. We're still going to read them because, I mean, what better time to read than when you're in a cabin in the woods? That's right. Um, and what we're going to do is our picks for the week. We're going to do in two, get, get to you in two ways, both that are visual. So it's like a podcast for your eyes. <laughs> um, and we're going to be doing a blog post on the website. Yep. And then we're also going to be tweeting individual tweets about each issue, little snippets about what we like um, and what we think about them and why you should pick them up. So You should totally follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Once the blog post is up on Facebook, we will share up on the website. We'll share it on there. Yeah. And, uh, and subscribe. Yep. what's up? And so we won't see you next week for another episode of Cover B, but we will see you the following week for another episode. Of, of cover, cover B. B. Have a good weekend. Bye, guys. everybody.